Scripture this morning is going to be Matthew 25, 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you all who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Good morning, everyone. So glad you guys could uh, be here today with us at at Hope City Church. Um, As Alex Alex and Amanda said, my name is Joe. I'm the uh, associate pastor here at Hope City Church. Before we get started on our message, I just want to take just a second and recognize every person in the room, the cold, the snow, the wind, the ice, the people in the front row are already feeling me. We're starting to preach. I just want to say congratulations for your effort, for being here today. God sees you. He honors you. And I want to give every one of you a gold star. So gold star, gold star, gold star, gold star. Bear, you get a gold star. So uh, we uh, started off our series for the new year. Uh, last week with Pastor Jason, a series called uh, called Finding God. And if you were not here, you know, schedule, life, whatever, I want to encourage you to go back uh, and listen to it either on the podcast or find it on, on YouTube. Uh, it's, it's setting up our whole series. And so uh, I'm excited uh, to be here and to share with you because today we're continuing that message where we are looking at places in the Bible where God promises we can find him promises where we can find them. We don't have to guess. We don't have to hope. God said if we would do these specific actions or we would visit these specific places, he promised, promised that he would meet us there. I love the the picture that pastor painted for us last week that if we would get up at 7 a.m. and drive to Panera on Dixie, God would be in the back left corner, waiting for you to meet him there. I, I imagine God would meet me at Stomping Grounds because they have a private area and we could sit in the back. Yeah. You know, it, it's, a great, it's a great thought, a great image that there would be no snooze button, no kids requirements, no job requirements, nothing on our schedule that would prevent us from getting up and getting there. We would make every effort possible. Right. If you knew for sure, that God was going to be there, I know for sure you would be there too. And what is it? Why? Why would we get up? Why would, why would we go? It's because we are all desperate. We have this need to feel, be, to feel God close. We want to have confidence. We want to have a certainty that God is with us. God is for us. God is near and close to us that we could touch him, that he would be as close as possible. I think about, there's so many visitors in the room today and people in the room today that maybe today 
Maybe the new year has given you an opportunity to think about this desperation in a new way. To maybe think about that, is it possible that there is a loving God that is pursuing me? Or maybe you're in the room today and, and you're ready or you're open to believe it again. That God wants to meet with me. That God would take time to come and I could be in his very presence. See, this desperate need we all have, it's been described for a long time. In the 5th in the century, one of the early church fathers, St. Augustine, he describes this desperate need this way. You stir us so that praising you may bring us joy. Because you have made us and draw us to yourself. And your heart, our heart is unquieted until we rest in you. Our hearts are unquieted. What a word. God, my heart, it, it, it never can be at ease. It's, it's always searching. It's always uncertain. You, me, all of humanity, we have this God-shaped hole in our heart that so desperately needs to be filled by God. Ecclesiastes 3 says that God has placed eternity in man's heart. See, what I mean by that, what the author means by that is there is this desire, this feeling of each one of us that there has to be more to life than just this. Something else. You have this place and this need in your soul that can only be described as wanting to be known, to be seen. To be heard. And, and, and if this is true for, for you or if it's true for so many of us in the room, why? And what keeps us from seeking God? Why do we not take time to find God? Pastor shared an image with us last week on despair. We're so distracted. We're so addicted and we're so exhausted. We use distraction after distraction and addictions to cover up what is only meant to be filled by God, leaving us empty over and over and over until we're overwhelmed by despair. Many of us in the room have stories, years, where we have tried everything but God to fill the void. But what we really need and our hearts really truly desire is God's presence the image on the screen is what pastor shared with us last week. And this is where God's presence can be found. It is his grace, effort, and attention. It's God's grace, our effort, and attention is where we meet the presence of God. Pastor Jason gave us the first of the places where we can find God, and that is through seeking. That is the first promise that we looked at. There are many places in the Bible that we'd say that if we would seek God, that we could find him. That when we look for him, that when we pray to him, that when we sacrifice to him, he will show up and we will find him. Now today, our promise is not seeking. But our, our promise today is what may be something unexpected. If I was to give you a, a, a chance to guess five ways or five activities that you thought we were going to talk about how to find God today, I don't think you would name it. I don't think you would name what I'm, about to, what I'm about to say. If I was to say, hey, how do you find God? I think people would say these ways. Oh, we, we pray. That's how we find God. We, we read our Bible. We, 
We meet with God by fasting, by, by going to church, and these are all great ways to meet with God. But today's promise is that we find God not in private devotions or disciplines, but rather we find God in the faces of hurting people. We find God in the faces of hurting people. This shouldn't surprise us, but I bet there are people in the room that it does. But I want you to imagine if we went back 2,000 years ago and we were to find Jesus, where would he be? Where would he be? If we woke up tomorrow morning and said, hey, instead of going to Panera, I'm going to go try to find Jesus somewhere else. The places in the Bible that we would look for where we would see, we would see Jesus when he was alive is that he was with the hurting. And wherever Jesus was, there were hurting people. I looked in the Gospels and looked through some stories to give some examples and, and what, of examples of people in Jesus when he was found with the sick and feeding the poor and, and meeting the margins of society. I think about Zacchaeus, the, the, tax, the tax collector. He, he was a job, the most hated possession, where people thought he was a thief and unfair. And Jesus saw him, called him by name, and took him to dinner, went to his house. We see the story of Legion, a, a demon-possessed man who the town that he lived in was so ill-equipped to serve him, they locked him in the graveyard, shackled. Jesus saw him, saw his afflictions, called him by name, and then that was the process to begin his healing. Jesus healed the, man, uh, the blind man at Bethesda by rubbing his spit in his eye. Jesus fed 5,000. He healed deaf people. He, he fed another 4,000. One that has been really close to me and oh so real where we would find Jesus is when he visited Martha. Her brother Lazarus had died. And Jesus went to, went to her, went to his family, met their needs. Jesus was around the hurting, the sick, and the down and out. People living in the margins. So, now that Jesus isn't here in the flesh anymore, we can still experience his spirit. We can still experience his presence. And one of the places that God says that we can find him is with the hurting. This hasn't changed. Although 2,000 years have passed, God is still with those who are in need. This is very true today. Alexander read our, our scripture this morning, and if we just very go to the very last part in uh, verse 40, the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it for the least, one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. You know, a few weeks ago, I preached and I joked and I said, hey, I'm not the guy that you could take notes for. Today's a little different. You can take notes. I want you to write this down. I want you to put this in your heart. When you're looking for God, when we're seeking, we want to feel his presence, you can meet God this way. is knowing that when God meets you, when you're meeting the needs of others. Yes. God will meet you when you're meeting the needs of others. Jesus said, when you fed the hungry, when you gave drink to the thirsty, when you, visited a strange, when you invited a stranger into your home, when you cared for the sick, when you clothed the needy, when you visited the imprisoned, in fact, you were doing it for him. When you were helping the hurting, God is with you. Amen. And this is true. And so many of us to believe it, why don't we do it more often? Why don't we? 
I'm going to answer that here in a minute, but I want to give us a little bit of a break, and I want to talk about some things that we are doing. My goal today is not to put pressure on you. It's not to make you feel guilty. It's not to force you or manipulate you into doing things, but I want to point out that when we serve the, the needies, God will be there. And so I don't want to push a button on anybody else's inner critic thinking I could do more because he screams really loud to me. But I do want to talk about some of the things and brag on as you, people of Hope City Church, what you have been doing. Here's some of the things that we've done in the last few weeks and, and, and people in the room and, and people that call Hope City Church home have been a part of is that we delivered over 80 food boxes to people through South Louisville Community Ministries, through an elementary school where we ensured that people would be able to celebrate Christmas and have a holiday meal. We blessed over 100 families with their kids so that they, they could have bicycles. Through South Louisville Community Ministries and our own benevolence with people in need in the church, we've helped keep the lights on. We've helped keep the water running. We've helped pay their people's rent. Who's thankful today that you had heat when you woke up? Yeah. That this is, this is meeting people's needs and God is in these things. We delivered groceries to people whose jobs are in transition. We helped secure housing for someone who had been living in their car. Helped repay, uh, do repair bills for people's car. Again, we had a several family members over the last few weeks. One lost their grandfather. One lost their dad. And just two days ago, um, a family lost a, lost a brother. And through our small groups and through our benevolence team and through our care ministry and so many of you in the room showed up, sacrificed, made a meal, donated money so that we could do the things that we need to do to love and to, to care on the people. And even with still all this good that we have been doing and what the work that we have been doing, I don't know about you, I feel like we could do more. I feel like our soul just longs us to, to draw us more and it's, and, it, and that's what I want to talk about. That's what I want to talk about. I want to, I want to talk about finding God by helping the hurting. And so for the rest of the time, we're going to discuss three topics. Yet again, another great place uh, for those note takers is uh, why we should help, why we don't help, and how we can help. And so the first thing I want to talk about is, is why we should help. And the first thing you need, you, we all know, and I think you need to know, is, is that it's not just Christians that help people. There are, there are world religions and there are people that are, that are agnostic or atheists that are generous. And they help people and they're kind and they're, they're caring. But for Christians, there's a different motivation. And this explains why we should help the hurting. And that is this, is that we believe every person, every person is created in the image of God. This is, this is a foundational belief of Christianity is that every person looks like God, and that in order to that, we should be generous towards them. I love the teaching of Jesus that was so radical that the early church, people that followed him, came up with a moniker. They called him the, the people, his disciples, followers of the way. In Rome and in other cities, human life was cheap. It was based on class and, and status. And Jesus' countercultural movement was founded on loving people because they were a child of God. It wasn't because of your value, your worth, your status, your position, what you may be able to do for somebody politically. Well, they serve people because they belong to God. This set early Christians apart. And I believe today that it should set you, me, us, all believers apart. It should set, we should be known 
for this. Hope City Church should be known for a place that loves people. And that's, what, that's what's great about every person that you meet, is that they are a child of God. And I want you to see this, is that we should treat every person special. And if we believe that, it doesn't matter if they believe it or not. There are so many people that are either believing a lie or have disbelief or unsure. But if we believe that God created us in the image of God, then he created every person in the image of God. And regardless if they believe that or not, we treat them that way. We treat them that way. I believe that our city needs a significant move towards the way. For people to become more loving, to have more joy, to have more peace, patience, and kindness, to, to help people based on each other's image bearer of God. Nothing more, nothing less. See, helping as a Christian is an opportunity for us to show grace and mercy that was shown to us, regardless of circumstance or outcome. I think about if God's grace and mercy towards me was based on my effort, my merit, or my works, I would be in great trouble. But praise God that when you and me and all of humanity were at our worst, he sent his best, and that is Jesus. So when you show mercy to others to help, remember, God is with you. And that is the message today. If you need a touch from God, if you need to feel his presence, if you want to see the face of God, a promise to you is to serve someone and he will be there. To become more like Jesus, to meet people, and you will find God there. And so this is a great starting point. We, we want to help. We, we feel blessed when we're helped. God has broken our hearts through the Holy Spirit to see the need in people and see them for their humanity. And the next question is, is why don't we help? We know we should help, but why, why don't we help? You know it's a Christian thing to do, but still you, you struggle as much as you should or, or could help. But why is that? What keeps us from doing what God wants us to do? I believe there's a lot of answers for that, but the most simple and rudimentary fact-based answer to that is that we're all sinful. We're all sinful. We're filled with good intentions, but our insecurities and selfishness and biases keep us from going forward with our actions based on good intentions. Now listen, it's not because you're a bad person. It's because you're a human. I thought of a couple examples. I want to see if any of these resonate with you for reasons like, I know I should help. I want to help, but I'm afraid. You see, you see someone walking down the side of the road. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's 10 degrees outside. Let them jump in my car. I'll just drive them into the block or I'll ask them where they need to go or, or I don't have anywhere to go. I'll take them exactly where they want to go. And you get closer and then they get bigger and you get scared. What if they rob me? What if they take my car? And your thought of, I should help, is overwhelmed by fear, and you just keep driving. We should help, but we feel incapable. I know someone whose car just broke down. How are they going to get to work? Oh, no, now they're, they're behind on their, their rent, or they're behind on their mortgage, and they're about to be evicted. But I'm so strained myself, and my budget has no margin. I, I can't do anything like pay someone's rent or 
or fix their car. So instead of doing something, you do nothing. I want to help, but I'm too busy. We come to church, and it's amazing. We, we worship, and we hear all great message, and then someone stands up like me and says, hey, we got opportunities to serve. You can go to South Louisville, or you can go to Habitat for Humanity, or you can be a mentor in a, in a local school, and, and these things excite you, and you want to do those things, but then you go home and you check your calendar, and it's conflict after conflict after conflict, and you find out you want to help, but you're too busy. You know, I want to help, but my schedule's full. I don't have any margin. You're asking me to do things I can't do. You know, honestly, the part of town you want to go to, it's, it's kind of scary. I want to help. You know what? Somebody else will do it. You know, I want to be clear that I'm not trying to tell you that it is necessary to meet every single need of every single person. Jesus didn't do that. When Jesus walked the earth, he met the needs of the people that were in front of him. So you will never be equipped, we'll never have enough resources, we'll never have enough time to solve all of the problems. But what we can do is when G- be like Jesus, because when he was in a place where there were people in need, they became his focus. Those right in front of him. So don't feel guilty that you can't help everybody. But what you can do is recognize and help someone. You can help somebody right in front of you. And you know what that'll do? It'll make a difference for them. It'll lighten their load just a little bit. It'll ease their suffering just a little bit. But you know what else it'll do? It'll give you an opportunity to experience God. By not doing these things, you now have robbed yourself of an opportunity to be with God. And if we're not careful, we'll look back three, four, five years and then realize time has slipped away and it's been a really long time since we sacrificed since we've been generous, since we've been inconvenienced to help someone in need. You see, according to Scripture, we're not only doing what God asked us to do, not doing what God asked us to do, but we're also robbing ourselves of an experience with God. You know, I think there's one other thing that keeps people from doing what they're supposed to do. And this is hard, but I believe it's true. It's because we're prejudiced and we have biases. We don't want to think that we do. We don't have prejudice and we don't have biases, but we do. Let me tell you a little story. And this may be new and this may be old for you. I don't know where you are, but you think of the story that Jesus told about the Good Samaritan. There was a man, he was traveling down a road, and it was a very treacherous road, and he was on his way, and two bandits beat him, robbed him, stripped him of his clothes, and left him for dead. And then a few moments later, along come two religious leaders. They looked at the man, and then they walked on. And then a third man walked by, and it was a good Samaritan. He saw the man in the ditch dying and hurting. He grabbed him, bound up his wounds. He used wine and oil as medicine to treat the man's wounds, and then carried him to an inn for safe refuge, and then paid for his stay, for him to recover. Now, maybe you've heard this story a hundred times, or maybe this is the first time you've heard this story. But no one in this room thinks of themselves as the religious leader. 
we often think of ourselves as the good Samaritan. Or maybe life's been hard and you feel like the traveler. A bandit's come and knocked you down or put you in a gutter or put you in a hard place. But no one, no one thinks that they're the religious leader. No one thinks that they've turned a blind eye or they didn't offer help. But see, it was their religious laws and their religious beliefs that kept them from helping the wounded man. There was no way that they would be seen with someone that was naked. There was no way that they would be seen with someone who was bleeding. There was no way that they would be seen or touch someone who was dirty. Their beliefs kept them from having concern about the man's condition. No one wants to be like the, the, the religious leaders, but we can be. Here's some examples. You know, I don't give money to people holding signs. They're probably going to just buy drugs. You know, this is America. It's founded on hard work. If people would just get a job and stop being lazy. You know what I know is if they really wanted to get help, they would. Welfare and assistance programs, what has happened is that's just bred a culture of dependence. See, if we're, not, if we're careful, if we're not careful, our biases and our prejudice can keep us from experiencing God. And so that's why we should help people, and these are reasons why we don't help people. But let's leave on a good note. You braved the cold, you've sat here, and you want to be encouraged. So let's be encouraging Let's do this. I, I, I want to talk about hurting people just a little bit more, and then we'll get to some, some good news. If we look here, Hope City Church, and here are some very real needs of our city. These are some stats, some research that I, I found this week. This one's heartbreaking. Since 2018, homelessness has, been, has increased by 41%. There are over 10,000 people experiencing being unhoused in our city today, right now. 55% of those people are in and out of shelters. 10% of those people only come in on days like today. They call it a white flag day at a shelter. They put a flag out and they don't ask questions. They know it's so cold outside that people will just die. And so these people... They only come in when it's extremely cold. And 35% live on the streets, live in campments, or maybe they have some other, like, they live in their car or some other structure that's not a, not a house. 13% of Louisville residents experience food insecurity. If you don't know what food insecurity describes, it means that people don't know where their next meal or their next groceries will be coming from. It's around 80,000 people. Systemically, there's a big problem, and it is because a living wage for a family of four in Louisville is $94,000. $94,000 to pay your rent, to pay your car, to pay all your bills, and to, uh, to buy groceries. That same four people, SNAP assistance ends at $50,000. So there's a 40-something thousand dollar gap. And in that gap are hurting people that have to make a choice, sometimes weekly, sometimes daily. Is it my light bill or is it food? 
Every day there's 1,900 people that are in custody in Louisville jails. This sounds like a lot of hurting. This sounds like a lot of need. It also sounds very overwhelming. I'm just one person. What can I do? Where can I start? There's so much need. How can I help? I don't even know what to do. These are all valid. These questions that your heart may be asking because you're hurting for these people, but you feel ill-equipped. I love this quote from uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu. It's actually an, uh, uh, an African proverb that he, he made famous. When we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're feeling like there's a huge obstacle, when we feel like we can't tackle what's in front of us, be encouraged. And it's be encouraged by this. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. I don't know about you, but that feels exciting. How do I help someone in order that they may experience hope? How do I help someone that they may have relief? How do I encounter God one bite at a time? If I look at God and I see how massive and great and mighty he is, the Bible describes it as people falling and trembling in front of his presence. But if I could just get close to God... If I could just get close to God, one touch, one step at a time. I think about the disciples when people would just want to get in their shadow so they could be healed. If I could just touch God just once, well, he promises that if we would just take one small step in serving our, our brothers and sisters, he would be right there. All of those stats are overwhelming, and they're meant to make you feel that way. But the truth is, is that if we would take one step to God, he would meet us there every time. And so that's exciting. When we're helping people, God promises to show up. And so another thing that I'm really excited about is, is that I want to not just encourage you and I not just want to bring facts to you, but I want to equip you. I want to empower you. I want to give you opportunities. I want to help you. Hey, Joe, I feel distant from God. I read my Bible and it's dry. My prayer time is awful. I, I just feel disconnected. Is there any way that I could meet with God? Yes. I actually have two slides I want to show you. The first one is, is that you can meet God through meeting people's immediate needs. I, I broke this down into two ways. I was like, hey, what are some really quick immediate needs that I could just do this week? And maybe you could this week. Meet someone's immediate need and, and know that you are going to meet God right there. I wrote down you could donate clothes. <clears throat> you could take the next 10, 15 days and say every day I'm just going to pull one thing out of my closet. And then at the end of that time, I'm going I'm to give it to, food, uh, to a clothing pantry. I think about we're doing 10 days of surrender. We're on day like four or five. You got six days left. Maybe for the next six days, we surrender a t-shirt. Or we surrender a jacket. And don't go get the eight-year-old Daytona Beach spray, uh, airbrush shirt you got in college. Give them that North Face that you got last year for Christmas. Get, give them the thing that doesn't fit anymore because we all ate too much over Christmas. Like, take these things over the next week and bless someone and, and, and give it to them and know that God will meet you right there. I, I think about visiting Laundromat because... 
I grew up in a home and, and, and where we always had a washer and dryer and, and Karen and I and moving and all the things in our life for the last 16 years that experienced the laundromat sporadically. And you know, it's a, it's a lot. I have five loads of laundry clean in my living room right now, in my bedroom right now that I haven't taken care of. I need to fold them. I couldn't even imagine hauling all of those in my car two miles away, a mile away, and then paying to get that done. What if you visit a laundromat and just gave somebody $20 and said, hey, I want you to do this load on me or these next three loads on me? Or maybe you want to say, hey, I'm, I'm, hey, I mean no harm. I'm not weird. Can I carry your laundry to your car? Just a kind gesture. You don't have to fold their underwear. You can just help them. You can help them to their car. There's boundaries, but you, there's, there's ways that you can... There's ways that you can help people. I, 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 this is really real to me because I think about like social justice and way people want to improve neighborhoods, but then there's, it always seems like it's a trendy coffee shop or it's a, it's a cool little art gallery, but there are hurting people in needs. And if, if you were like, hey, I'm going to go visit a laundromat because there might be people there that are less off than I am and a little bit would go a long way with them. Speaking a little bit a long way, give it. You know that place in your, in your car? Where no one puts their sunglasses. The joke is it's where you put your taco. We, we keep, I keep money in my car right there. Sometimes it's $5. Sometimes it's $2. A, a lot of times it's no dollars. But we, I keep money in there because I just give it. I don't have any expectation. I know it's not going to solve a problem. And I don't really mind where it goes. But I know if I gave that man or that woman $5, that's $5 that they could use for something. And God bless them and give it to them. You could visit the sick. You could, you could um, give out a care bag. Maybe money's not your thing. Maybe you, wanna, you, you don't want to feel like you may be enabling somebody. Well, buy toothpaste, buy hand warmers, buy, make peanut butter sandwiches, and hand that out the window when someone says. And if their sign says, hey, anything will help, and you hand them the bag, anything will help. And it, it, again, it allocates resources for them that they may already have to use for something else. And it's, yes, it's serving them and helping them, but it's also honoring God. God, I give this gift in Jesus' name. I see that person. I see their need. You promised to meet me there, so I'm going to give it to them in your name. I heard, a, I heard a guy this week, this is something radical. You share a smile. I heard a story this week. This man, he missed his flight. He was frustrated with Delta. And he was so angry. And so what he did is, is he got up and he walked to one end of the terminal and he sat there. And then he, after his pity party, he was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. And he just took off walking. He's like, hi, how you doing? Hi, I see you, Dakota. Hi. Hey, Steve. Hi. He walked through the airport and he looked people in the eye and he smiled at them. Hey, hey, good to see you. He said, by God, time he got to the other end of the terminal. God had met him because he saw hundreds of strangers and recognized their humanity. And whatever that frustration with that airline was, was diminished because he saw these children of God for who they were. When I first became a Christian, I bought a house and I, I, I had a church, but I had a lot more mentors outside my church through my work and uh, Holy Place, UPS. It was, it was, it was interesting. But my, a couple of my supervisors, they love Jesus, and I remember I was so mad that my neighbor wouldn't cut his grass. I mean, I was livid. 
I was like, dude, this guy's driveway and the sidewalk. And my supervisor, he came and he put his arm around me and he said, Joe, go cut that guy's grass. I was like, what? He's like, you don't know that man's story. You don't know that man's life. You don't know what he's going through. Go cut his grass. I didn't. (laughs) But it stuck with me. 18 years ago. Yeah. You never know. You never know. You never know. Some other ones that I said were like meeting a greater need or maybe a longer term commitment. If you feel God stirring your heart and you really, it's 2024, I'm really desiring a passion to meet with God. I I want to make God and meeting with him a priority in my life. Pastor said last week that if we seeked him, he, we would find him. Pastor Joe, you're telling me right now, if I would just help and meet people, God would show up? Yeah. Well, here are ways that you can consistently put on your schedule to meet with God. You can serve at South Louisville Community Ministry. Through that local ministry, we, we help their food pantry. We do what's called intake, where people are in need, and we find out what their needs are. And systematically and holistically, we meet those needs through education, through assistance, through counseling. It's not just hand them food and send them on the way, but they do that, but there's also so much more. And there's many people in this room today that serve there, serve there faithfully. We have people on their board of directors that help lead and direct the vision of the ministry. Exodus Family Ministries is another one that's new to me, and, and it's been in our city for a few years, and and God is doing amazing things through this ministry. It's over off Bethany Lane. Earlier when I said, take some clothes out of your closet, you can take them there. You can take them to Shane and his team. And twice a month they give out clothes. And then twice a month they give out, they give out food. You can join a Habitat for Humanity build. And you can do projects restoring people's homes or even building homes. Hope Collaborative is a, is a partner that we have where we mentor children in school. Once a week, people that attend church here go for an hour. They meet with four students and they talk about leadership. But what they really do is they recognize their humanity. They sit down with these little boys and these little girls and they invest time in them. Tell them they're valuable. Tell them they're meaningful. Tell them that they believe in them. Servants Hearts, Community, uh, Servants Hearts is, our, is our outreach partner in Guatemala where we go and build houses. This is a big ask. It's a whole week. It's it, it costs a lot of money to go, but it's phenomenal, life-changing, life-changing. And so if that may be something God's stirring in your heart, we're going to take a team in July. But as I'm talking about helping people and I'm also talking about meeting with God, I want you to remind you this, that people are messy. God is good. God is faithful, but people are messy. Oftentimes when we're when we're meeting people in need, they are experiencing the compound effect of many issues. Listen, Christian, you are called to serve and help the needy. You are not called to solve all their problems. Do not feel the pressure to be someone's savior. That's Jesus. Do not let that expectation that you may shame, guilt, or worry would put on you that you have to be a superhero. Let God do that. Just show up. Just show up. As a matter of fact, God is so gracious that when we, we do show up, not only does he meet us there, but God, he, he takes these good deeds and he lets us feel good about them. There's no shame in that. 
There's no shame in that. Everything I did in your name, Jesus. God, God says it on the day you, that we will be recounted. We didn't read it, but he says, hey, faithful, you did these things in my name. Man, I want Jesus to say that to me. I saw you do these things. That makes me feel good. That makes me feel seen by God. And you can do the same thing. God has richly blessed so many of us in this room. And when we use our margins to bless others, in turn, we're remembered of God's grace and God's mercy. And he shows up there every time. So I want to close in this way. I, I'm going to put a, an, an image on the screen in a second. Um, but I was doing some research, and um, I, I learned about a, a man named um, St. Martin, St. Martin of Tours. Uh, I, I wasn't sure that there was a St. Martin of Tours in Germantown. Me and Aaron, we ride our bikes sometimes. We went by it, and I realized that there's a Catholic church down there. And I was talking about it first service. There's a guy that attends our church, was actually baptized there, had first communion there, and had confirmation there. Wow. It's awesome. I was like, this is a really cool church building. But I'm actually talking about the man, St. Martin. St. Martin is a, the, the, pa- the patron saint of, of beggars. See, he was a Roman soldier, but he was also a Christian, which is the empire and God's kingdom. They were not friendly. Right? And so, so St. Martin... He's famously recounted because one day when he was riding in to the city, he stopped and a man was begging for alms. He's like, hey, give me something. These are requirements at the time of religious people to give food or money to people in need. Martin was caught off guard and he had no money and so he could do what only he could do. He dismounted his horse. He went over to the man and he took his jacket, his cloak, and he sliced it in half and he wrapped it around the beggar man and St. Martin for 1600 years has been remembered because of this generosity this remarkable gift that he gave what I want to do now is I want to take the the image off the screen and I want you to close your eyes and instead of thinking about St. Martin cutting his cloak in half and wrapping it around a beggar. I want you to think about what God said. That when you do this for the least of my brothers and sisters, you do this for me. Imagine you as St. Martin wrapping a cloak around not a beggar, but a king. Wrapping a cloak, giving a gift of mercy to Almighty God. The feeling that you would have to see God wrapped in your gift and being reminded of the greatest gift that we've all ever been given, and that is Jesus. One of my favorite songs that I listen to repeatedly is is called Grace Alone. You guys can open your eyes. It says that I work my fingers down to the bone. Nothing I could ever do would atone. But Jesus, you paid my debt. I want to encourage you today to meet with God by meeting the needs of others. 
You're not earning anything. You're not working towards anything. Every time you serve the needy, it's an opportunity for God to step in right there. I'm reminded of the sacrifice that St. Martin did as an image is also the sacrifice that Jesus gave. And he tells us to do this in remembrance of him each week, and that is communion. Communion reminds us of the sacrifice that Jesus gave for each one of us. His, he gave his body to you and his blood at your most desperate time, at your most greatest need. And he sacrificed it and he gave it so that we could be close to God. Here in a moment, our, our, our prayer team is going to come down front and they're going to have an opportunity to pray with you. And if you're in need, praise God, he's going to meet you right there. Those prayer partners are going to pray and agree with you over that need and, and whatever it might be. Or maybe it's a need of someone else, but we believe that when we come together and pray, not only does God hear us, but he's right there with us. And so I want to pray for us.